What's up, Duke fans, and welcome to episode five of the Duke Blue Central podcast. I'm happy to be coming at you today with another episode of Duke Blue Central. Excited. Duke basketball is just around the corner, people. It always sneaks up on me each and every year. You get so wrapped up in the college football season, except especially this season, which how well the, the Duke football Blue Devils have been doing on the football field. Basketball always seems to sneak up on me around this point each and every year. But we've got Countdown to Craziness coming up in two days. It is October 18th, Wednesday, October 18th, if you're listening to this later. Countdown to Craziness is Friday, October 20th. We are looking forward uh, to everything coming out of there. Hopefully, we'll be able to do kind of a breakdown episode of everything we saw at Countdown. Maybe the most exciting thing happening at Countdown are all the important recruiting pieces that are going to be in the building of course, not forgetting uh, the all-important Mr. Cooper flag is going to be in attendance at Countdown. But we're going to try to avoid talking about that too much today. Don't have any real new update or intel on that. So we're going to try to avoid that as much as we possibly can, even though obviously we're so excited about that. But the, a couple things I do want to touch on on this episode. First really would be the kind of the latest scrimmage update. The, the Duke basketball has been putting out several, you know, cut, filtered, whatever, whatever you want to call it, practices, scrimmages, some with actual ACC reps. I'd love to take a chance to break down those and maybe some thoughts on how this team has developed from when we first saw them practice kind of earlier in the summer. I also want to talk about the rankings that just came out. The AP poll came out not too many days ago. Duke comes in as the number two team in all of the land coming into this next season. That is obviously a something Duke and Duke fans are used to being ranked in that top five area. But we'll break down that kind of what are my thoughts on that ranking. And I also want to talk a little bit about where the rest of the ACC stands, not only within these rankings, but kind of how I see the ACC going this next upcoming season. But uh, first, let's let's jump into some Duke scrimmage footage. Obviously, the Duke social media team is so, so dedicated to, to giving Duke fans plenty of footage to over digest and over dissect and overreact to as all Duke fans are, are super, super good at. And these recent ones have been, have been no exceptions with kind of the headline for all of them being how good Caleb Foster is and, and maybe how slept on he is coming into this year. There was a time back uh, when we were looking at recruiting for this upcoming Duke team that more people seemed to be excited about Caleb Foster than maybe they are even now. He had a a, a little, I think it was a month to three month run there where it looked like he could possibly be the best player in high school basketball, just putting up insane scoring numbers every night. His his recruiting process was really interesting. He started off as kind of this playmaking pass first point guard and, and kind of just his senior year evolved into this just attacker of the basket on all three levels, just a, a crazy tough shot maker with a, with a decent enough three-point shot to keep the defense honest. But it, it, there was a few months there in high school where he was just taking the high school basketball uh, world by storm. And I think some of that hype has died down, actually, which is kind of the opposite of what normally happens when you're at Duke. But just because of the other talent that Duke has returning and coming in, namely one Jared McCain, who, who's getting a lot of praise 
kind of in in the camp before the season that a lot of people are forgetting about Caleb Foster. And I think maybe the social media team recognized that and uh, and wanted to show, show him some love, but uh, he did all the work himself. I mean, he, he is dominating in these scrimmages and looks like one of the better players on the floor regardless of class. So one thing you really notice about him just when you watch him play is, is just how aggressive he is with the basketball in his hands. I heard somebody else kind of compare him to a, a little bit kind of like what we see in Jeremy Roach where, you know, he might kind of be a guy the ball stops to when you give it to him. He's not necessarily always looking to make that pass, but he just has a killer mentality, especially when it comes to getting to the basket. I am I'm really excited to see the way he plays this year. And I think right now, the way everyone's talking and uh, the way it seems to be going, it feels like Caleb Foster might be kind of first guy off the bench role, captain of the second unit role. And that role is is one that I think I'd be really excited for him to have. Just having that caliber of a player lead out your bench and lead out your your kind of second unit guys being the captain of that that B team, I, I guess you could say. Don't want that to sound degrading. But he is just a killer. Killer mentality, has that dog mentality. I think feels a little snubbed just in every sense of his high school career. You know, it, it was reported he really didn't enjoy being left off the McDonald's All-American team for Bronny James. A, a lot of people were thinking he was more deserving of that spot. And I think he's really taken kind of that mentality into his game, and it has resulted in some awesome, awesome stuff here. But something interesting with him is... You know, I just said maybe his greatest role could be captain of the second unit. But when you look at this Duke team, there is a fair argument to be made that that you could bump him into the starting lineup. And he may actually be the best fit in that spot if you want to roll out three guards, which everyone seems to want to do. I, I'm, I'm still kind of of the thought that opening day against Dartmouth comes. I feel like your lineup is going to be Jeremy Roach, Tyrese Proctor, Mark Mitchell, Kyle Filipowski, and Ryan Young. I just think at the beginning of the year, Coach Shire will honor kind of Ryan Young's captainship and, and give him a few starts. The same thing happened last year. You know, a lot of that was due to injury, but I, I just sense, I still feel like Ryan Young is, is going to start to start the year. I could be wrong about that. And, and another thing is too, I, I wanted to talk about later is when you watch these scrimmages, Ryan Young just... Really looks like an on-floor captain. I mean, he's the one talking the loudest. He's the one almost facilitating the offense, even as a big man, which is something you don't see a lot. Especially, he's not even like, you know, he's not like a ball dominant big man either. It's not a guy that you get the ball to and get out of the way and let him go to work. He he is a you can just tell a super intelligent player, super encouraging, and he's holding guys accountable out there. So I, I just feel like. To start the year, Ryan Young, as the third captain, will get the start. But a lot of people are kind of already penciling in Jared McCain for that starting spot, kind of mid-season to late season. Uh, I, I would say most people's prediction right now for a starting five, kind of throughout the year for Duke, would be Jeremy Roach, Tyrese Proctor, Jared McCain, uh, Mark Mitchell, Kyle Filipowski with you know, playing flip at the five, mark at the four, and then rolling three guards. And I think that's a great lineup. And by the way, nothing I say I hope takes away from the things Jared McCain has done in these scrimmages either. He looks like the best shooter on the team. 
a super reliable spot up guy, but also a guy who can play make get into the lane and make floaters and layups and tough shots near and around the basket. Don't want to take away from anything that he's done, but but there's an argument to be made here that that Foster maybe fits the starting lineup more than McCain does, and it's because of his size. I think Foster has at least two inches on Jared McCain and is, you know, every bit as physical. McCain's a physical guy too, but so is Foster. And I, I think from what I've seen, he'll probably be a little bit more defensively mature just to begin the year than McCain will. So you feel maybe a little better with his size and height, him guarding the opposing team's small forward rather than McCain. And I know there are things you can do to, to switch and, shift things around and we're going to bring guys off the bench and and flip was really good at guarding the perimeter last year but he's probably going to have his hands full guarding the opposing teams five a lot of the times this season mark you can put on anybody obviously so you know maybe there's a case to be made you can shift guys around and kind of hide that third guard defensively put them on someone you're not too worried about but if you know we start the season even getting into mid-season and McCain's out there and we're scoring well but the defense is struggling I I think Foster could be an option here uh, to just get a bigger body on the floor so just a lot of what I'm hearing right now is is how well he seems to be just ready to go right now even as a freshman which is awesome (laughs) encouraging things to see and it also makes you think just how deep Duke's backcourt is this year I, I mean Tyrese Proctor expectations are just through the roof for this next upcoming year. I mean, there are people picking him to be an All-American, to you know, be in the running for ACC Player of the Year, or if not National Player of the Year, for him to be the best point guard in college basketball. So we've got him coming back. Jeremy Roach, we obviously kind of know who he is, but who he is is just an awesome, great, experienced player that has been to a Final Four that... I don't know if there's a player on any team that you trust more with the ball in their hands in the final couple minutes of a game. The ultimate closer. Just those two guys would be enough. And then you bring in who some people think is the most purely kind of ready college player in this recruiting class and Jared McCain. Just the way he shoots the ball, handles, play makes, is smart, makes all the right decisions. And on top of that, you just get this killer in Caleb Foster, who is just ready to attack at all three levels at all times. This Duke backcourt is just going to be fun to watch, which is why I think it's going to be really hard for us not to have three of them on three guards on the floor at one time instead of just the standard two. But uh, that is going to be an exciting development to watch. But I still, look, I mean, even if Caleb Foster is coming off the bench the whole year. I still love that. I I, I love kind of him being the captain of that second team where, you know, we could we could take Roach and Proctor off the court at the same time and just give the ball to Caleb and say, hey, do your thing, run this offense and, and go get some buckets down low. And, and that seems to be where he really, really is thriving right now. But it's not just him that's shining in these in these scrimmages. It's uh, it's really impressive to watch the ball movement in the team this young. There are a couple moments here where you just see even the big man getting involved, passing the ball around the perimeter, finding an open three. That's something we're going to get used to seeing a lot on this year's Duke teams is is passes out to the perimeter. I think there are going to be times where we can have all five guys kind of out floating near the perimeter, certainly four, and all of them are a threat to shoot the three. You know, if we run that lineup of... Flip, Mitchell, 
McCain, Proctor, Roach, all those guys can shoot the three effectively above 30%. So that's just going to be a matchup nightmare for a lot of teams just deciding rather to come and maybe help defense on a guy like Flip as he's charging through the basket. But then Flip can basically have his pick of who he wants to kick out to. And and any of those guys you leave open is a danger to hit a three. I I think that's going to be a huge part of this year's Duke team is kind of that passing around the perimeter. And that looks ready to go. But you don't see that often in a team full of this many young guys. A lot of them can be ball stoppers and and think that the offense has to run ISO through them. I just don't get a sense of that with with these freshmen. They, They really look like to be guys who want to help the team and not just stop the movement of the ball. And that's really exciting to see. But those are just some of the crazy good things coming out of these scrimmages. But I I do want to address some concerns. It's not all sunshine and rainbows here and thinking that this Duke team is just going to come out and go undefeated. I, I do have some concerns about this team. And I think, obviously, the biggest one that everybody thinks of right away is the the loss of Derek Lively at that center position. He was such a an anchor defensively for us last year. He, I think, made even more of an impact than what we even realized. Not only from a defensive perspective, but from a rebounding perspective. I think that's something that Duke could kind of struggle in this year. My I would say my two biggest concerns for this Duke team this season is interior defense and rebounding with maybe rebounding even taking a further precedent up just because you just feel like there were a lot of times last year where Lively could, even if he didn't come down with the rebound, was was able to pop it up, get an offensive board, or slap it to somebody else. And on the defensive side of things, he just always was reliable rebounding on the defensive side of the court. And I know Flip isn't a bad rebounder in, in no stretch of the imaginations, but he's, he's not Lively. And Young was actually statistically one of the best rebounders in the country last year, but I I don't think any of us think, you know, he's a guy that's going to be in there 25, 30 minutes a game. So maybe my biggest concerns with this team is, you know, where is this interior defense going to come from? You know, if you listen to the, the Brotherhood podcast with Coach K that actually just came out, he has some thoughts on this. He actually said he spoke to some of the ACC reps, and they said they were going to make it more of an emphasis this year to to call charges less, which hurts Duke, Kay points out. Because, you know, one strategy you can employ when you don't have a dominating big man defensively is you can step in for charges. But, you know, if those get called as blocks or if we're not getting those calls, that you know, that hurts us a little bit more. That takes away one of our defensive strategies we can employ. So, But there are other things you can do. Uh, and obviously, you know, if we're so powerful on the offensive end, then it's not going to matter. But, and then rebounding is another one. Another thing Kay said is we're not really an above the rim type team. You know, we don't, we have a couple super athletes on the team, you know, looking at you, Sean Stewart. But, you know, other than that, there aren't a lot of these high flyer dunking, grab something off the board guys necessarily on this team that maybe we're used to seeing. So I am a little bit concerned about, the potential for us to just get out rebounded a lot and for us to make it harder on ourselves offensively because we can never get an offensive board and uh you know the other teams are just with with elite big men are just killing us on the boards which we know how important that is when it comes to tournament time in March uh but but yeah those are kind of my thoughts on the latest scrimmages good stuff I, I should hopefully you know 
countdown is kind of the first big scrimmage that all the Duke fans are watching. You know, obviously you're viewing those through a little bit of Duke blue colored shaded glasses because they're putting on a show as much as anybody. So we'll see how that goes. I remember, I think last year's countdown, like Christian Reeves was the leading scorer. So that didn't really indicate how any of the year was going to go. But still, it'll be exciting to see see these guys kind of play against each other in front of a live audience. Yeah, that's kind of all I want to say on the latest scrimmage, latest practice video uploads. I want to move on to the rankings. As I said earlier, Duke comes in at number two in the nation this year. Very excited. Very exciting. I think we all saw this coming. The official votes on that were Kansas was the number one school with 46 votes. Duke came in at the number two school with 11 votes to be number one. So pretty overwhelmingly Kansas, which I don't mind. I, I don't mind. <laughs> I don't mind not being the preseason number one. I think that can sometimes cause unnecessary pressure. Not that I think this Duke team could very well handle it and Shire's capable of handing it, handling it. But we, we've seen that number one kind of cause teams to collapse a la Carolina last year. Not to uh, not to bring that up to offend anybody. But but yeah, so I'm happy with being number two. Uh, I kind of want to break down just a few thoughts or, or just some minor thoughts on the rankings here. I don't have a ton to say on this. I think it's interesting Michigan State is being pulled so high. I, I know that they've got a great team, and it's Tom Izzo, who is obviously a great coach, Hall of Fame coach, but... I think losing Joey Hauser from last year is going to really hurt them more than more than we think. And, you know, Duke is playing them third game of the season in, I believe it's Chicago. It's either Chicago or Madison Square, Madison Square Garden. But I'm actually worried about them less than I am worried about Arizona second game of the year. I think Michigan State might be getting a little bit too much media love here. I certainly think Purdue should be over them. Purdue is... My favorite and my pick to win the Big Ten, I think they're kind of going to hear some of the noise. A lot of people have been chatting about them from last year and, and overperform. But I think Michigan State's getting a little too much love. Other than that, not a lot of ACC representation here in the rankings, which is something we'll get into in a second. But Duke, Miami, and North Carolina, the only ranked teams going into the preseason. Duke obviously at two. Miami comes in at 13. North Carolina comes in at 19. And Gosh, it's just crazy to see how far the ACC has fallen, even you know, in reality and within the media's eyes in just a few short years. It wasn't that long ago where the ACC felt like it was the unanimous best basketball conference, and, and now we're probably, what, fifth, sixth? There, there, there were a few people last year saying the WCC was, was, better than, was better than the ACC, which is just insane to even say out loud, thinking about, some of the great schools that have some of the great teams that have been in ACC history. But yeah, and I want to point out Duke has a ton of opportunities early to impress when it comes to rankings. And you know, you hate to bring up the tournament seeding this early into the season in November, but the bottom line is like Duke needs these non-conference games if they want to get a high seed. It, I know we're coming in at preseason number 2. But if we're looking at the end of the year and want to be a one seed, we have to do well really early in the year or else we're just not because we're not going to have the opportunity to get the quad one wins, to get the impressive wins in the ACC like we would in years past. And this is not something new. This was the same story last year. You know, I think last year 
if we come out with that Kansas game in the beginning of the year, we, we get out, we might move up two seeds. That's how important some of these early non-conference games are. And I hate that it's kind of like that because the team is so young and we have a bunch of young players that are going to get better as the year goes. And I mean, even just think about last year, how the, the Duke team that began the year was nowhere close to the level that the Duke team that ended the year. But but you need these games because the rest of the ACC is kind of slacked off and, and just doesn't aren't putting up great teams uh, throughout the regular season. Other than you know those Miamis, those North Carolinas, I think Clemson is a team to watch out for in the ACC. Uh, I, I would bet that they're going to be ranked throughout the course of the year. Um, but we don't even play Clemson this year, you know, barring in but an ACC tournament appearance and and just just match up there, but. The bottom line is here, Duke has to do well in these non-conference games. And if we look at kind of like if we look at their schedule, it's, you know, you warm up with Dartmouth. You feel obviously good about that one. Arizona comes into Cameron's second game of the year. And I just think that's that's just a rough game. I could easily see Duke dropping that one, even though I think by the end of the year, Duke will be a better team than Arizona. Arizona returns a few more players. They have a dominant big man, which I think... If I had to pick one team, like, style that is going to play well against Duke this year, it's going to be teams with just an elite big man that can just out-rebound the heck out of us and make us run. And just a super big athletic team kind of is maybe what's going to be our kryptonite this year, especially teams with a big man who can really score. Because I don't, I, you just wonder how the interior defense is going to be. Arizona has that. I worry about them. And then you have Michigan State the very next game. I actually feel better about that game. I think that's a very winnable game from Duke for Duke. But then you go to Arkansas, first game Duke has ever played at Arkansas. You have to expect that the Arkansas fans are going to show off in or are really going to want to show off for that game, just how important that game is for their program. Way hostile environment. Still feel good about Duke's chances in that game, but – very losable game on the road like that. This will be, some of these freshmen will be, <laughs> you can imagine a little shaken by that away crowd, especially in such a huge game like this. First year of the ACC-SEC Challenge. And then you have Baylor, who, once again, you expect to beat, but, you know, Baylor comes out with an early win against Duke. You're not sitting your head here super surprised. So, But you got to think that, you know, it, if you're a Duke fan, maybe you're not used to the beginning of the year meaning so much. I think this year is going to mean a lot. I think we have to come out and, you know, win three of these games, win four of these games. And, and or if we really, at the end of the year, want to be looking at that one seed, uh, I think you got to you gotta win three of these. Uh, not to, it seems so crazy to be talking about that this early. But barring anything drastic, we've seen how the tournament disvalues ACC teams over and over again. We got to get these non-conference wins. And what can help the ACC is if a big opportunity for the ACC here is how well does the whole conference do against the SEC? Because that's a conference, you know, historically the tournament selection committee really respects. So the ACC comes out, has a great year, you know, maybe has a winning record against the SEC, which I don't think is going to happen, or or a lot of those kind of lower-tier teams put up big fights against SEC schools. That could help us out to where maybe 
you know, we get some more valuable conference games. If there's maybe there's a surprise team in the ACC that's going to do pretty well this year, maybe a Virginia Tech comes out and is really good. That can help us out. But other than that, man, other than those, you know, Miami, Clemson, UNC, Virginia schools, Duke is just not going to have a lot of opportunity in the ACC schedule to get some quality wins. So that's something that sticks out to me within the rankings and the schedule is we've just we've we've got to get these wins early. We can't you know, we talked about it or I heard a lot of people talking about it last year when we dropped that game to Kansas, how important that was. And and I kind of threw it by the wayside back then, but they were totally right. I I think if you win that game last year against Kansas earlier in the year, you slide up at least one seed, I think, at the end of the year, maybe even two, just based on the fact that Kansas was a one seed going into last year's tournament. I, I just think that these these wins are just so, so valuable for Duke, especially with the ACC looking as weak as it is. And with that, I kind of want to go into my ACC kind of predictions. I, I, I don't want to run down the whole conference predicting every team's finish, but I do have kind of a top five for you here, which is what I'm, you know, mostly concerned and focused about if you look up online a lot of people have some crazy different predictions about how the ACC is going to finish this year but I'll just read out kind of my predictions here and then explain it I I, I do think that Duke is going to win the ACC I, I think there is no excuse for this year's Duke team to not look at the end of the year and say that we were easily the regular season champions I, I just think that we are by far the most talented roster. We have a great, awesome up-and-coming coach who I think is going to be looking to prove something this year. I, I just don't see why we can't just be the heavy favorite to win the regular season. Uh, but we're all Duke fans here. We're all going to predict that. I, I think second place is Miami. That's a pretty popular pick. I just trust uh, I trust their coach a lot, uh, Jim Laranega. I think he's an awesome coach, has always coached really well against the Duke. And I know they lose, you know, their two leading scorers, especially Isaiah Wong. They're going to miss him a, bu a bunch. I think Norchad O'Meara is an awesome player, though. I think he has the potential to lead this team. And, and I just trust what Miami is doing with their program. I, they always just seem to win. They don't lose the games they're not supposed to. The games that they lose are against good teams where they fight. They're always a good three-point shooting team, which can help you win a lot of games. I, I just trust this team. Third place, I have UNC. I think there's an argument that North Carolina should be second over Miami. I, but once again, how I trust Miami, I don't trust UNC. Hubert Davis, to me, hasn't proven that he's an awesome coach. I think he coached one good month in his whole college coaching career, and, and basically the his coaching was to leave the same five guys on the court at the same time and just play them the whole game. Um, but I think Carolina has played one awesome month, uh, you know, last year's or I guess two years ago's March with him at the helm, and the rest of it has just been extremely mediocre. I do kind of like the transfers they got in. I think Cadeau is a good player. I think there's perhaps a little bit too much on his shoulders as a freshman, you know, when you look at his, uh, his high school stuff, I think he's most elite as a playmaker, not necessarily as a scorer. And I, I, they just need scoring, y you know, for as much crap as Caleb Love caught from UNC fans. He was a guy that pretty reliably got you 15 to 20 a night. And 
you know, some nights could get more than that. The three point shot was on. And I do think most UNC fans are excited about him being gone because the way he ultimately stopped the ball and would play a lot of ISO and shoot really bad shots. But that's, you know, that's kind of his game. But I just think for UNC, they're going to have to find a way to make up that scoring. I think that's what they're hoping a lot of their transfers can do. But but I just don't uh, – we also haven't seen, to me, a great transfer at North Carolina. You know, Pete Nance was supposed to be an awesome transfer for them last year, and look what happened. I mean, he was just about as disappointing as you can get. Not to rag on the guy, but and but that's on the coaching staff too. I think they were playing him kind of out of position. He, he never felt comfortable the whole year. The three-point shot wasn't there. They were just trying to play him like Brady Manick, and it just didn't work out. And so I, I just don't have a lot of faith in that staff. But I do think those players are good enough that they can get a third-place finish. And last thing I'll say about UNC is I, the depth is just not there for me. Like, I, I think they are so reliant on nothing bad happening to Armando Baycott and R.J. Davis. Like, you know, God forbid, want nobody to get injured. But, you know, let Baycott goes down for five games. They, they'll be, to me, they'll be, like, favored to lose those five games. And, you know, unless, you know, they're playing the bottom of the barrel ACC, you know, teams or whatever. But... Baycott goes down or RJ goes down. You know, if you lose one player in that lineup, their chances of winning to me go through the floor. I, I just think they're too, too reliant on just a few players, and I don't think they'll have a lot of room to adjust. If RJ goes down, I mean, if you're the opposing team, zone in on Baycott and make the rest of the team beat you, and maybe they will. Maybe, you know, Cadeau will come out and be this great scorer and their transfers will just instantly work, but that's just not been the history for the past few years at Carolina. Um, but I think everybody stays healthy. They 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 have a spot to the third place finish, but just barely over Clemson. I really like what Clemson has done this offseason. They kept most of their key players. Um, they bring in Gerard, who I think is an awesome player. It, it's just a, an equalizing type player that no matter how good defense you play on him, sometimes he's going to make the tough shot. I think I think Clemson's got a lot of upside this year. I, I, you know, if we're sitting at the end of the year and Clemson is third or even second in the ACC, that I know I'm predicting them to finish fourth here, but that wouldn't even shock me. I, I think Clemson's going to be really good this season. I think they're definitely a tournament team. I think they should have been last year, but I think they've got the roster to get it done I, I they don't have too tough of a schedule they could be one of those teams that's undefeated for a while Clemson I think will be ranked throughout the year at some point that's I put my money on that and then fifth place in the ACC I've got Virginia a lot of people have Virginia finishing higher I I actually kind of have some hot takes regarding Virginia this year I don't think they're going to be that good I I just think if you earnestly look at this roster, I know I, I know their coach is good. Like, but if you just purely look at Virginia's roster, you just don't know where the points are coming from. Like I, I know Reese Beekman, awesome player. You know, he'll be up for defense player of the year, ACC player of the year. He could repeat that. But man, you they just lost so much of their team. I, I just don't I just don't know where where their offense is coming from. I know they play weird and slow and that, you know, I, I like Tony Bennett as a coach. I think he's a good guy. I, I think, 
He's a great coach, awesome coach. But just where where do the points come from? Where does the typical Virginia shooting come from? Where I just don't have a lot of faith in this team. And I think Tony Bennett also is kind of getting caught up in this. He's he's a coach of the older style in kind of a newer school college basketball landscape. And, you know, you could see him kind of not being prepared for that immediately. I don't know. I think he's an awesome coach and he'll do what he can with this team, but there's there's a matter of the players really deciding who wins and loses games. I I just don't think Virginia has the talent to get it done this year. I could see I definitely see them finishing below all the teams I listed above. But yeah, I think that's going to do it for me today. I had a lot of fun with you guys. I know it's kind of been kind of long sporadic breaks in between episodes, but I promise. As we get into basketball, things are going to ramp up. Hopefully, we're going to be doing a breakdown of Countdown at our latest for our next episode. Excited to be back with you then, but so happy that you're listening. Shout out to all you guys for listening. You can follow me at Duke Blue Central over on Twitter. If you want to help out the show, you can rate it on uh, Spotify, podcast, wherever you're listening. Share it with other Duke fans. Uh, But thanks so much for listening. Go Blue Devils.